Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Sam Juline. Sam, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Now, uh, we've talked on a couple of different occasions. We talked for episode 186 of Adventures in Angular about NG Upgrade. And we also talked at NG Atlanta, and we did a quick interview uh, talking about um, your course, which is, what is it, UpgradingAngularJS.com or something like that? Yep, exactly. UpgradingAngularJS.com. Very cool. Do you want to just give a brief explanation of what the course is, and then we'll kind of dial it back and talk about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so UpgradingAngularJS.com is a comprehensive video course that I made to help people tackle the transition from AngularJS to Angular and was just basically born out of my own pain and suffering through that process. And so I just made this, this course with 200 videos and quiz questions and a lot of sample code to help people get through that process step-by-step step in detail. So that's basically it. Nice. Well, let's, let's get your story as a developer, an Angular developer. Um, now, I like to start way back at the very beginning uh, with how you got into programming. So how did you get into programming? So long, long ago, when I was a little kid, probably eight or nine years old, I had an uncle who was a robotics engineer for NASA and programmed in Lisp and made oh, wow. robots. It's basically the coolest job ever. <laughs> but <laughs> he, uh, he was a really big Mac nerd and he got me into old Mac computers. He would, he would give me his old computers and I would basically just break them and hack around on them all the way back from uh, Mac SE all to, to uh, Power Mac to uh, Beige Mac G3. I would basically hack on those things the, and figure out how the hardware and software worked. And so I, that sort of began my reverse engineering of computers and learning about computers, got me into Linux and things like that. And then that made me want to learn, want to learn how to program. So I started doing some... Uh, learning some basic and looking at this old tool called ResEdit on old Macs. Um, but I didn't get very far with that. There was no such thing as code school or treehouse or anything like that 
in the early 90s. So it was all books from the library, uh, whatever I could get my hands on as a, as a kid. Uh, but then eventually I had a cousin who was some other sort of engineer, I forget. And he told me he would, he, he had gotten his hands on some hosting space, which back then was a big deal. And so he was going to host my first web page if I would make it. So that gave me an excuse to teach myself HTML. I was probably about 12 years old then. And that's when I first started uh, any sort of uh, web work. Um, so again, mostly through the library, but also at that point, there was more of an internet. And so there were a few tutorials out there on HTML. And that's what got me started. Um, and it's been a long, tortuous journey since then. A very, uh, I've gone through a lot of different career paths and things like that. Uh, went into finance for a while and, and then came back a few years ago to professional development. Wow. <laughs> I remember, yeah, back before the internet or when the internet was pretty new, I think I had a website on like GeoCities or something like that. And yeah, oh, yeah. the good old days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of the same time period that I was getting into things. And so I really identify with a lot of that. Um, so you were doing basic and then you got into web stuff. Is that what you said? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I was I was messing around with something called Chipmunk Basic and a program called Real Basic, but there there really wasn't much out there to teach me how to do things. So I don't think I got beyond much of a much other than simple text based programs at that point. Right. So it was um, HTML was the first thing that I was relatively like I could get some things done. I made a I made a web page mostly by like some tutorials and reverse engineering through view source and things like that. And, oh, yeah. um, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't until several years later when I was in college that I started learning CSS and JavaScript and things like that. And that wasn't, I was actually a liberal arts major. I started in computer science and then, uh, I was quickly disillusioned by how much math there was. <laughs> and I was, I was really confused. I shouldn't have, I was in Calc two, I think at the time and realized that, I still had two more semesters of things like differential equations. And I was like, I just want to write code. I don't really care about these things. So I switched to liberal arts and, and got into a whole other world for several years before I got into, you know, learning things like C sharp or, or angular. Right. So at what point, cause I remember back in the nineties and early two thousands, JavaScript was more of, I guess, sort of a necessary evil. You would, do jQuery where you needed it, and then you basically would do everything in your your backend language. It, does does that line up with your experience, or did you just embrace JavaScript right off the bat? Uh, that lines up with me. When I was first learning web stuff, uh, I didn't really understand that what JavaScript was. I thought okay. it, it, everything everything I ever saw JavaScript for was for like alerts. And for like silly little widgets that you would put on a page to like make it do things. So all I understood of JavaScript when I was 13, 14, 15 was uh, what you would put in a script tag at the top of a page. And it wasn't like a, I didn't even, I don't even think I realized that it was its own language. I thought it was just some, I didn't really understand that when I was that young. But yeah, it wasn't until I went into like, professional web development later that 
I even understood that there was like, that JavaScript was like a robust programming language that had these things called frameworks and things like that. Right. Um, so what did you get your degree in? My degree was actually in religion, which was, uh, and I went to a big public university. I went to University of Florida, go Gators. And uh, the religion degree was like a combination of history and philosophy and sociology. And it was super fascinating. And I thought I was going go to go into academia. And that's why I did that, because I thought I was going to be a college professor um, in history or sociology or, or something like that. I had a great time because it was a really small department at a huge university. So uh, it was, I got a lot out of my college experience, uh, but then I was working on my senior thesis and realized that I hated researching <laughs> and didn't want to be like, I didn't understand. I, I, I wanted the, the teaching side of it, but I didn't understand that most of academia is research and writing papers. Right. And I really didn't like that. So that's when I ended up switching to finance was right at the end of college. And I still got my degree in religion, but then went down this whole path of getting insurance and investment licensed and working for an insurance company, a stock brokerage and things like that for the next five years. So what was it that brought you back to programming then? Well, I was, I was working for a brokerage in Florida, a stock broker, and I had already gotten my series seven for stocks, funds, and options. I already had my license for mutual funds, but they wanted me to do a broker license, a series 24. And I was studying for the series 24. Um, and this is a big, big test. And I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I honestly just, it was, I felt like I was just memorizing a bunch of regulations. And I had originally gotten into finance because I really wanted to help sort of the the middle class or the you know the, the average right blue collar person uh get in get better at at money and things like that uh and the deeper i got into finance the more i realized that the financial industry is really organized for the wealthy by the wealthy and it's not really set up for that purpose i mean it, it's mm -hmm. sort of we can argue about the merits of that but at the but but that's sort of what i realized that in order to get uh to rise there in the ranks of finance, uh, there's a reason it's structured the way it is, and I'd be ha I'd just have to continue uh, increasing my clientele's net worth in order to uh, make a living in that field. Right, and that was just really depressing for me because I didn't feel like I had much meaning or I just sort of felt like a cog in the wheel. Um, and so I I happened to be working the brokerage that I worked at their claim to fame was that they wrote their own trading software. So we had a trading, we had a, uh, tech department with, uh, about a dozen engineers who wrote mostly C sharp, mm -hmm. um, and, and MVC apps and stuff like that. And I just told those guys that, you know, I was, I had done a lot of web stuff when I was younger and I wanted to switch back over and they were really, awesome and and helped give me a bunch of resources um by that point things like plural site and treehouse and code school all existed and so i started learning c sharp and javascript and everything like that and angular uh and that's what got me able to make the leap so i could feel like i was building and creating again and and maybe that would lead me to something more meaningful uh down the road
Gotcha. So the company you were working for then was using Angular with C Sharp? They, they were, that's not, I didn't learn much Angular at that point. Uh, they, cause they were mostly, um, on the website at that point, they were only using MVC and jQuery. Uh, and I, maybe, I think they were experimenting with early versions of Angular and Knockout and Backbone and things like that. But, um, that was around 2013, I guess when, um, so I started off mostly doing C sharp. Um, and jQuery, uh, and then gradually started learning about Angular from there. Gotcha. So what was it about Angular that got you excited or made you decide, you know what, this is, this is the area I want to specialize in? It's kind of one, it's one of those things where I had some opportunities come up and just sort of made the most of them. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to find, um, I was sort of trying to find my first real professional developer job. And I was asking a lot of people for advice on what would make me the most marketable at the time, which was late 2013, early 2014. And a few different people said, well, there's this angular thing that's really hot right now. (laughs) You should just learn that. And so like, that's honestly why I started learning angular was because a bunch of different people told me to. Uh, but then it's just sort of spiraled from there. I started using it. I remember reading a really early book by, I think it was Mishko or Igor, Igor, uh, reading one of their early books on Angular and it just really fascinated me. And so I kept learning it. Uh, and then eventually like code school released a course on it. So I, I took that and learned it and I just started digging in more and more. And eventually at one of my jobs, uh, we we were starting a new feature and it was in, I think, fall of 2014. And I managed to persuade them to use AngularJS. And so that was the first time I got to actually like deploy production Angular code. And having come from a long history of things like PHP and CSS uh, from scratch and jQuery and things like that, just like it was that two-way data binding that just was like so magical to me and felt like it was saving me a lot of time. Um, and so it, it just sort of uh, hooked me early on with how straightforward it was. Of course, I look back at that AngularJS 1.2 code and it was like horrible and oh, of course. used all kinds of like dollar watch, you know, horrible, horrible code. But, but that's what really got me uh, early on. And so I just kept digging in and learning more and then that would lead to other things. And eventually I got um, a great job at a nonprofit where I became, eventually became the lead front end guy in, in charge of three different Angular JS applications. So it's kind of just one of those things where an offhand you know, conversation ended up really shaping a lot of my career. Uh, there wasn't, it wasn't anything too, too magical, you know? Yeah. It's funny how that works out though. I mean, I know so many people that the reason they got into something was, yeah, either the company they were working for was using it or, um, you know, something like in your case where it was, well, I, I talked to somebody who, you know, was doing angular and, you know, you basically had a, some kind of mentorship. And they, you know, they kind of gave you the, 
the tools to succeed in that particular area. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just about making the most of whatever opportunity you've got, you know, and that, that's sort of what I did. I mean, I, I will say that what once I was a, a little bit further in, then what really kept me around was the just the community was really welcoming. And I started getting into the Portland, the Angular Portland meetup. I, I went really early on, I think, when I first moved here. Uh, and everybody there was really nice. And that led me to the larger Angular community. Um, and then just as I've continued to work in the Angular community, then I, I took over the Angular Portland group and mm -hmm. I've uh, mentored other people and tried to start paying things forward in that way. And I've just had a really good experience in the community. And so now I'm, I'm like invested in the, in the ecosystem at large and I'm invested in bringing in new people and making them feel welcome and included. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one thing that I'm curious about is uh, within the Angular community, I think the thing that I got to know you best about is your course, but are there other contributions you feel like you've made to the Angular community that you want to talk about? Well, a few, a few different things. I mean, because most of my jobs have been internal closed source, I haven't ever been a big open source contributor. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've more done writing lately. Like I've been writing for scotch.io and I've been writing for Telerik. The, the main other thing that I do is run the Angular Portland group. So I've been doing that now for two years and some change. And so that has gotten me very involved in the community at large. And so going to ng-conf and, and, you know, spending time with the other meetup organizers and I'm on a Slack with the other meetup organizers. And so that has sort of gotten me uh, more involved with community as a whole. So I would say my, my main contributions to the Angular community are writing and the course and then running the meetup. Right. Uh, I'm also starting to do some speaking. So I'm going to be doing, I'm speaking at Angular Denver and then I'm speaking at Angular Mix in October. So starting on that path as well. Very cool. So yeah, Angular Denver is going to be in July? I August. It's the first weekend in August. I'm, I'm doing a workshop based on the course, um, a full day NG upgrade workshop. And then I'm also right. giving a talk. That's going to be really fun. And when is Angular Mix? Angular Mix is mid-October. I think it's the 10th through the 12th in Orlando. Um, so that'll have the Orlando constituency, John Papa and the like. <laughs> yep. Very cool. So what makes you made you think, oh, this is a pain in the butt. I want to do a course on it for the upgrading AngularJS. It was honestly, so right now there's a lot more resources on, on migrating and, and upgrading. When I started that process, which is, I think it was around January of 2017, there was not much. There was a little bit in the official documentation on how to do it, but, but not as much as there is now. And there were really hardly any articles or courses or anything like that. And the ones that were out there were very um, high level. They, they were very 
simplified. And so mm-hmm. I was in a situation with, I had a pretty big application in Angular 1.4, I think it was at the time, with a big gulp build, and and I didn't even know where to start. And the, the, uh, the documentation basically was like, step one, use Webpack. <laughs> step two, use TypeScript. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what's a Webpack. <laughs> like, I don't know any of this. Uh, and so the, like, I was trying to do all this while also writing new features and fixing bugs and all that. I, you know, most people in the real world can't just drop everything and rewrite their application. That's just not practical. They don't have the time or the money in their company to do that. But I didn't really feel like any of the resources out there addressed that problem. Mm-hmm. And it honestly felt like back then, it felt like Google was sort of baiting and switching us of like, oh, this is going to be a, a breeze. Like, don't worry about it. It's not going to be a big deal. And then it turned out to be actually a huge deal uh, to migrate. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of support around that. I mean, if, luckily, they listened to the community in, community in that. And it's a very different story now. But back then, it was, uh, it, it was a really frustrating experience. So long story, not as long. <laughs> I... Uh, just felt like since I had been involved in the community at that point for a few years, um, somebody had to make something like that. So it may as well be me. So mm-hmm. I just locked myself in my apartment and recorded a couple hundred videos. And it basically was derived explicitly from work I was doing in the real world during the day. Then I would come home and make videos based on those experiences and try to make a sample application that wasn't just a to-do list, you know? Right. So what, what's your approach on the course? I mean, do you do short videos or long videos? Do you try and cover everything or is it just a specific uh, process walkthrough? How, how, do you, how are you structuring it? It's broken into three sub-courses and all the, all the courses are short videos. I try to accomplish one thing in each video. So all the videos are somewhere in the range of two to five minutes Mm -hmm. because I can never watch long videos. So I don't expect other people to. So the first course is all about getting your AngularJS code up to the style guide phase of like organized by feature instead of type and uh, updating your version of AngularJS and using component architecture, things like that, because there's a lot of AngularJS code out there and a lot of it looks really different. There's, it was a long time before John Papa's style guide came along and codified everything into this is what your AngularJS is supposed to look like. Right. So the first course is all about that. And then the second course is the TypeScript and Webpack setup. And that goes into depth on moving a code base over to TypeScript and setting up Webpack for different environments because you can't always use the CLI in an upgrade project because sometimes you're just dealing with a big complicated mess that's not ideal and you have to drop in a build process on top of it. And then the last one is about using the ng-upgrade library. So 
going through and upgrading or downgrading so that your Angular JS code and your new Angular code can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a step-by-step, hold your hand kind of process on how to move from Angular JS 1.3 all the way up through Angular. At this point, I think it's five. I'm working on the Angular 6 module with Webpack and TypeScript and all of that goodness. It is an opinionated process because it's it's targeted at you know probably mid to large applications that are you know mostly data driven and things like that and so it's not a one size fits all approach but the idea right. is that people can mix and match with those different topics mm-hmm. that makes sense so is this something that you have to continually update or has the process pretty much settled at this point? It's it's pretty much there with Angular 6. I'm going to I'm going to update a few things with regard to Angular 6 and uh, some differences with the CLI coming up or that have just come out and Angular JS 1.7 came out recently and we're we're getting into the long-term stable period. So things have largely settled down. I'm going to make a few updates to it to reflect that, but the process now is pretty well hammered out, Um, especially if you sort of fit this uh, size of of that this approach targets, which is great because it was a rocky road for a couple of years of figuring out how how to do these things. But now, I mean, the ng upgrade library is very stable and Angular 6 and RxJS 6 are really, really nice. They've really hammered out a lot of the issues. Um, and so I really felt like when I was at ng-conf and they were talking about Angular 6 and the changes to the CLI and the, the uh, new import structure of RxJS 6, that that was really the capstone of the, the ng-upgrade process where it's a much more well-defined path for people. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are you working on these days? Is it mostly updates to the course or are you working on other things too? The course takes up a little bit of time just to keep it fresh and, you know, make sure that my students have, you know, access to me when they need it. I'm also doing, like I said, writing for places like Scotch and Telerik. Right Mm -hmm. now I'm mostly focused on preparing for Angular Denver and Angular Mix. It's sort of my my, uh, number one focus at the moment. Um, and I'm also just sort of digging into newer things as I, as I write new articles, like I just wrote an article on Angular Elements, and that was really cool because that'll actually affect the ng-upgrade story for larger applications down the road. So that was, that was pretty exciting. So I'm just sort of keeping abreast on things right now and um, preparing talks and preparing workshops and things like that. Very cool. Anything else that you're into or looking at these days that you want to talk about? Yeah, so a friend of mine named Julian just released a his own comprehensive course all about Docker called LearnDocker.online. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though Julian is a friend of mine, I knew he was working on it, but I didn't see the finished product until the end. And it honestly blew me away how in-depth it was. Uh, And so I've actually been going through it myself because I really want to learn Docker. And uh, 
And so he's kind of got me down this rabbit hole of learning Docker through his course and through some uh, Angular specific things that I've that I've seen. So I'm sort of nerding out on Docker right now because of that. Very cool. We had Julian on Elixir Mix uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, we're actually doing a webinar in August. So uh, folks can go check that out. It's going to be August 8th. If you go to devchat.tv and then click on the events um, tab, then you should be able to find it in there. But yeah, we're, I'm probably going to have him on some of the other shows and do other webinars so that we can, you know, do Angular with Docker or React with Docker or Ruby with Docker and just see where we end up. But yeah, it, it's a really, really well laid out course. Yeah. 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 So that, that's the main thing. Also, I won't be, I don't, well, I don't know if I'm going to be there or not, but NG Columbia is happening in, Medellin in September. And that looks like it's going to be really, really fun. So if people have the opportunity to go, um, it's a really well planned out conference. And Juan, who runs it, is just like a really great person. Uh, so I'm trying to support that as much as I can. So yeah, NG Columbia, I think it's September. Well, no, they pushed out the dates. So I think it's mid-September or late September. We can find out. Yeah, I bet we can look it up. and <laughs> I think Google can fix that for us. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like it's September 6th and 7th, like you said. You, you said that they, you thought that they had postponed it, but at least for the tickets, it looks like that's the dates. So Yeah. Of course, as soon as I click on that, then everything goes to Spanish except for their copy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure all the talks will be in English, though. I'm like 90% sure of that. Awesome. Now, were those your picks or did you have some things that you wanted to pick? Oh, those were my picks. <laughs> awesome. No, it's good. That's where I was headed next anyway. So, uh, Yeah. Um, the only other one I had for picks was uh, a non-tech thing, which is the audio version of Artemis by Andy Weir. I just, or Wire, I don't know how you pronounce that. Mm -hmm. I just finished that on Audible and that was really fun. It's read by Rosario Dawson, uh, who's from like Daredevil and things like that. Mm -hmm. And she does all these accents and she's it's just like a really, really good recording. So I had a really good time listening to it. Yeah, it was a good book. It wasn't as good as The Martian, but... It was no, good. definitely not. <laughs> and I listened to it on Audible as well. I didn't read it, so... Um, and I enjoyed it. I, th I think she did a terrific job on it, so... Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll jump in with a few picks. For you, the listeners of My Angular Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office... Uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. 
one of my anti-picks, I hate HOAs. I, I live in a pretty low-key HOA. I think our HOA fees are like 50 bucks a year. Um, but I hate people telling me what to do. Like, you didn't mow your lawn recently enough. And crap like that. Um, but the, the flip side of that is that um, we've had some issues with our yard. Because when we bought the house, we've lived here for eight years. And I've been trying to kill all the weeds in the yard, in the yard for eight years. And so when we bought the house, we bought it on a short sale. It had been vacant for a year. And so the, the yard just kind of went all, all to, to seed for these um, weeds. So um, my neighbor and I decided to kind of work together on it. So he came through and he sprayed the yard with weed killer. And so then I had a whole bunch of dead grass instead of live grass and weeds. Um, so anyway, I rented a tiller from Home Depot. And uh, their tool rental is is really, really convenient. So I'm going to pick Home Depot tool rental as far as being able to... I rented a tiller and just tilled all the um, all the dead grass under. And then um, on Thursday... So the local dump, they have a separate place for you to take green waste. And then they grind it up into mulch. And so um, I went over there. It's $20, $20 for a cubic yard. Uh, which is quite a bit of mulch. And uh, so I'm going to be spreading that over both his yard and my yard. And um, anyway, it's it's been kind of an interesting process. I'm not sure that it's changed my mind on how much I like uh, yard work, but it is nice to kind of watch it take shape. So um, anyway, then on Saturday, we're going to put sod in. But um, anyway, that, that's been pretty helpful as far as getting all that together. And uh, one of the things that I've been doing a lot of is I found a Facebook group that talks about um, sort of uh, having a yard and um, having a garden and things like that on Facebook. And so um, ours is called Utah Homesteading or Utah Homesteader, Backyard Homesteader. So if you're interested in getting tips and help for your yard, um, I recommend that you go find a, a Facebook group or forum that treats that. So that's kind of what I've been in the middle of. Um, I don't know if you've actually seen me, but I've, I've been flexing my hand and wrist because um, it, I, I basically pushed the tiller around all day on Saturday and my forearms really hurt. So oh, yeah. anyway, uh, that, that's been tremendous. So that's been kind of what I've been doing lately and it's been fun. So um, nice. well, it's been fun to see it take shape. It's, it's not been as fun to work on. And, yeah, Thursday I get to work on my sprinklers as well. But um, anyway, that that's a terrific uh, resource that I found. Another one is YouTube. So if you're looking for how do I fix this on my sprinklers or things like that, YouTube will give you some pretty good ideas. Anyway, yeah. Sam, if people want to find you online, where do they go? I am just at Sam Julien basically everywhere. Um, and then upgradingangularjs.com is the site. Um, I've also got some articles on Medium. And that's basically it. I also have a personal blog at just samjuline.com. But otherwise, that's about it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming and talking to me for 45-ish minutes. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for having me. All right, well, we'll wrap this one up and we will catch everyone next week. Thanks. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. 